G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. And suddenly it hit me, just a minute, this uh, hobby you've got, photography, you're spending all your time and money on that. How much are you giving to the Lord? So um, I gave away the cameras, I gave away darkroom equipment and said, right, I've become a Christian. I have no time for this sort of stuff. It's become a God and uh, I just want to serve the Lord. The Story. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, we have a special treat today. Award-winning Christian photographer Raymond Williams is with us and he'll be sharing an overview of his amazing life journey. He's photographed everyone from Cliff Richards to Princess Diana and has taken photos of historically significant events like the 1968 Billy Graham Crusade and Cyclone Tracy in Darwin in 1974. Raymond joins us via the telephone from his home in Sydney and will be sharing with us all the stories behind his photos. He's having a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Raymond, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. Do appreciate being here. Glad to have you with us. And there is so much to your story. I don't know how we're going to get it all in. Let's see a few highlights of your life. You have photographed Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, and several prime ministers. Is that right? That's correct. Started um, with Billy Graham in 68 in Sydney, but then 69 Melbourne, I also came down and covered his crusade there, and then 79 in Sydney. But of course, uh, this was just the beginning, because after that, uh, there are quite a few of the uh, other activities that uh, certainly I photographed and reported. Okay, we're going to get to all that. And you have also photographed several royal visits. And as you mentioned, the 1968 Billy Graham Crusade, Cyclone Tracy in Darwin, just to name a few of the historical events that you've been at. And all of this is from someone who at one point in your life, you gave up all your photography equipment because you thought that that was not the direction that you should go in. Is that right? (laughs) That's correct. I was converted the night before my 22nd birthday. At a uh, Christian Endeavour missionary uh, rally here in Sydney. And uh, I felt sure that somebody got to Ivor Powell, a Welsh evangelist, before the meeting, told him all about me because he said, Look, you've uh, never sworn, you've uh, never smoked, you've done a good life, which was me because I'd been in scouting. Mm. And uh, he went on, and I felt sure, now, who's told you about me? And then finally the appeal, and uh, he said, right, now, all heads bowed, eyes closed, raise your hand if uh, you'd like to accept the Lord tonight and say that, well, you know about him, but you'd like to love him. You don't love the Lord. That's the sin. So uh, all eyes closed, heads bowed. I was sitting with the girlfriend who'd taken me to the meeting, put my hand up, brought it straight down on her head. So, of course, she knew, and she burst into tears, as women do. And uh, Ivor Powell counseled me after the meeting and led me to the Scriptures. And here it was the beginning. This is February 1953. 
Wow. Okay, we're we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We want to hear more about that. But first, let's kind of go back all the way to the beginning. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Bexley in Sydney, uh, 1931. So that gives the age away. (laughs) Uh, Went to a Bexley public school and uh, did my apprenticeship as a fitter and machinist. As I say, at the age of 22, became a Christian and uh, became very involved in Christian work right from the beginning. I think that's another story. Okay, and so why were you under this conviction that you should give up all of your photography equipment, if that's something that you enjoyed so much? Uh, The activities that I became involved in was um, serving 200 down-and-out homeless people, but another worker there at the uh, Commonwealth Street um, Sydney Rescue Work saw that I needed instruction myself. So he suggested uh, a monthly meeting held by a mission called WEC, Worldwide Evangelization Crusade. Mm -hmm. And it was there that I heard the um, preaching of full commitment. Do you really believe in the Lord? What are you doing for him? And how much of your life does he control? And this was the sort of teaching that I was getting, and suddenly it hit me in just a minute. This uh, hobby you've got, photography, you're spending all your time and money on that. How much are you giving to the Lord? So um, I felt, right, oh, now does the Lord want me to give it up? And the feeling continued and grew, so I went back to my factory where I was working, fitting machinist, gave away everything. I gave away the wow. cameras, I gave away darkroom equipment and said, right, I've become a Christian, I have no time for this sort of stuff, it's become a God, and uh, I just want to serve the Lord. Okay, well, how did you get involved in photography in the first place? Were you always just a creative person, or how did it all start? Actually, my Uncle Tom, and at the age of 16, he suggested to me, have you got a hobby? I well, no, not really. Just finished uh, high school. And he said, well, what about photography? I'll help you get started. And so um, he was very practical type, and he helped me make my first enlarger myself out of a piece of timber, used the lens out of a box camera, um, tin funnel we used for the, uh, the light uh, department, and two sheets of glass to hold the negatives. It was a very, very basic type enlarger and uh, I joined two camera clubs St George Camera Club and the Camera Club of Sydney mm-hmm. and um, my efforts were noticed that every time there was a competition I put an entry in mm-hmm. finally one photographer, professional photographer said what lens are you using on your enlarger I said oh it's out of a box camera oh no he said you don't do that there's a special lens for that so gradually I learned and then processing, I thank uh, Mr. Alderson, the chemist, and he supplied me with all the gear. He said, now look, when you open your first packet of uh, photographic paper, uh, just take out the first sheet you meet, put it into your um, glass attachment for the negative, and give it so many seconds, and then put it into developer, fixer, and uh, wash, which I did in the bathroom. I blackened out the room, I pulled out the first sheet of paper, put it into the uh, negative holder, exposed it, 
put it in the uh, developer, nothing happened. And this went on for quite a while. So what's going on here? So finally I turned the light on to see what was happening. I pulled out the um, piece of cardboard that was inside <laughs> the pack instead of the first sheet of photographic paper. So I learnt very quickly that there is a piece of cardboard inside of the packet as well. Okay. Uh, sometimes we learn things the hard way. Now, I'm just thinking people listening today, younger people in particular, you know, they have their mobile phones, they're used to taking all these digital pictures, but you were back in the day when you actually had to have a dark room, like you just mentioned, and had to use chemicals to process. I mean, you couldn't just snap a picture and look at it. You had to work. You had to go in the dark room. And I remember myself back when I was in high school, I took an introduction to photography class. And one of the reasons why I didn't really pursue it any further was I was hopeless with all these chemicals and everything. <laughs> it certainly makes a difference when you can do your own and you can um, lighten a particular area or darken an area. It was uh, lovely working in the dark room. So those were back in the days when you really had to be committed because you didn't get things instantly. You had to work a lot just to be able to look at the photos that you took. That's correct, yes. I uh, took some uh, various ones and enlarged them up and uh, was finally able to win quite a few prizes at the various camera clubs. But uh, most of them um, objected because they weren't exactly wonderful photos. They were just a case that I was putting them numerous entries in all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, there's something to be said for uh, stacking the odds in your favor. Oh, yes. <laughs> You've got to be subtle in these sort of things. <laughs> so anyhow, obviously, you took to it, you enjoyed it, but then, as you mentioned earlier, you decided to give it all up, to give your equipment away because of your growing relationship with the Lord. That's right. I was convicted, as I say, and mm -hmm. um, what's that in your hand? Lay it down. Give it to the Lord. But obviously, we're talking to you today as a photographer— an award-winning photographer. So we're going to get to the part where it all comes back. But what came next in your life after you gave it all up? Um, I would say the next part was Bible College. Mm -hmm. uh, I approached the Sydney Missionary Bible College. Uh, they had a two-year course in those days, 1955, 56. And uh, I went in to learn what's this Bible all about, get the history of it. And uh, it was in there that uh, I suddenly noticed a young lady who was also a, a senior student. I was a senior student in my second year. And um, I noticed this uh, young lady, Dorothy Padamore, and asked her to help with uh, children's camps that I was running on holiday weekends and so on. Mm -hmm. Finally, I realized that we were both headed for Indonesia and both called to WEC. So um, I suggested perhaps we get together and um, um, become engaged. She agreed. So when we joined WEC, I mentioned uh, that we would like to be engaged. That, oh, you can't do that until you've both been on the field for two years. That's the, uh, the mission regulation. Oh, so wow. that the, the woman gets the language and is not distracted. So... Um, you can't be in the same place together. So Dorothy was sent to Brisbane. I stayed in Sydney. There was a building program extension of the headquarters. And after 12 months, um, they said, well, look, your visas for Indonesia haven't come through. 
we still can't have you on the same place together. Uh, Raymond, you go to Brisbane. Dorothy, you come down to Sydney. So we did that for another 12 months. And uh, at the end of that period, they said, look, your, your visa still hasn't come through for Indonesia. Second attempt. Uh, would you mind, we need someone in the kitchen to handle catering. We need a maintenance man out in the grounds. Would you mind getting married? <laughs> so I said, well, we'd have to pray about that. So it took about 10 seconds. And I said, oh, yeah, we'll do it just just to please the mission. We'll get married. <laughs> we were married in two weeks. Now, Raymond, can I just be honest with you? It doesn't sound real romantic. <laughs> <laughs> you think that wasn't romantic. On the, uh, the night we were engaged, I broke the axle on the utility we are in. Oh, golly. Uh, on the, uh, the night of the... Um, honeymoon i broke the uh, connection with the tail shaft and i was under it in my wedding suit oh my goodness and uh hitched it all up with a um, coat hanger <laughs> until we could get to it. then we uh, picked up a caravan we parked on the side of a big vacant block the next morning it turned out we we're on the side of an airport at Gosford, up in the middle, uh, mid-coast, New South Wales. Yep. And uh, there were joyrides going on, and the people selling the tickets were sitting in our utility out of the rain. <laughs> so we had quite an interesting honeymoon. You're listening to The Story. Today, award-winning Christian photographer Raymond Williams is sharing his remarkable life journey. Next, we'll hear about Raymond and his wife going to Indonesia to be missionaries. And then eventually, they received the incredible news that they would be having triplets. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with longtime Christian photographer Raymond Williams reflecting over his incredible life journey. Before the break, we heard how Raymond met and married his wife Dorothy while they were both attending Bible school. Now we'll find out what happened next in their lives. Within two months, our visa for Indonesia came through. Oh, okay. So uh, May 59... We uh, went out on a cargo ship. It was the only way to get to Indonesia in those days. And uh, so, 59, we went out, just the two of us. 64, we came home on furlough, but now we doubled. We had two little girls. So, mm -hmm. we went out two, we came back four. Okay. Had a little boy, and we thought we were having another little boy. And uh, instead of that, we had triplets. Triplets? So, we doubled from three to six children. Very smartly. I mean, raising children in a foreign country is hard enough as it is, but triplets on top of three other children. <laughs> and there's no disposable nappies in those days. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So it's some challenges um, on the mission field, I'm imagining. Yeah. And, of course, the, uh, the hospital in our town was an American Baptist mission hospital, 
Uh, we were the only other foreigners in town, so the people, the staff, doctors and so on, used to come to our place on their days off just to get away from the hospital. So we knew them all personally. And uh, when Dorothy was um, pregnant, they realised she was too big, something was wrong. They took an X-ray, which was what you did in those days. This would go back 67. And that was the only equipment they had. And they said, look, we can see two backbones, but we can't see where they're joined. So there must be a cancer or tumour there. Uh, we're going to operate 9 o'clock tomorrow morning and terminate mm. the whole thing. Uh, that afternoon, the um, doctor picked me up from our home and took us out to a birthday party, I think it was, for some children. Oh, by the way, the operation's all off. He said, oh, why is that? Marion, the um, American x-ray technician, came back from holidays a day early. It just worked out that way. Wow. And uh, he said, we've taken another x-ray. We can see three skulls. You've got triplets. I said, wow. oh, you're joking. <laughs> the American doctor said, that must be an Australian expression. Your wife just said the same thing. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what was going on inside of you at that time, because you're going from thinking the worst, the pregnancy was going to be terminated, yeah. to all of a sudden finding out you're going to have three more children. That's it. It was very good. The... Um, doctor sent them home one at a time so we got used to having another little one in the family and when they were three months old which is a, a different story by the way leading up to the um, present photographic work we came home in november 67 and um it was more or less the seal to come home or as we say, a seal, mm -hmm. it was from the Lord to convince us that uh, we should be home in Australia doing photography work. Yeah, please share with us that story. Well, uh, the WEC uh, in London felt that there was a need for audiovisual department. And I had seen the first audiovisual presentation at a camera club in Sydney. So mm -hmm. I knew what was involved. You had the um, the slides, you had the tape recordings, but you had to limit the talk to only five seconds per slide. So at any rate, I offered to the WEC to open up the audiovisual department and they accepted. But as Dorothy said, that's fine, you've been called to a different type of work, but we're in Java and the Lord hasn't changed that direction. So for 12 months, I tried doing audiovisual work there and was doing title slides and so forth, not only for WEC, but for other missions as well. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that period came the news of the triplets, and we were told they wouldn't live. They'd be too small. Dorothy said, look, if they live, that's the seal we go home. And... Meanwhile, I had started, because I was a fitter machinist, I'd started doing a business course. I was handling all the business affairs for the mission in Indonesia. And uh, the last three lessons were on advertising, handling the media, and preparing press releases. So when the triplets were born, it seemed as if the Lord was saying, there's your first story. So the triplets <laughs> were placed in a humidity crib. They only had one humidity crib in the hospital. So they were placed sideways in the humidity crib. So I photographed the humidity crib with the American doctor and the American head nurse and sent that off to America, 
here's the American hospital had uh, triplets in Java. To New Life, a Melbourne paper, a Christian paper, I sent the story, missionaries have triplets in Java. To the Indonesian papers, I said the story, Australians have triplets in Java. <laughs> Same story, but different titles. Yeah. And uh, it hit the world media. So we came home. Well, with, just before uh, you get to that, I was just, I was going to say that a lot of people, when they get involved in media, don't provide their own first story based on their own life. <laughs> <laughs> But you had it right there. It was too good to be true or too, I was too good it. to pass up, I, I was guess. it. Yep, yep. I didn't mention I was a husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> Conveniently left that part out. And in fact, the American uh, mission, they said, look, send us the negative or 50 copies. When we want to send this story to every state in America. Oh, wow. I've been back to the hospital since, and now they have a ward full of humidity cribs. Oh, well, you were the uh, pioneer, well, I should say, That's your, your triplets we were. we got the, the wheels moving. Oh, fantastic. So then what happened? Well, we came home. We uh, attend, I attended the um, pre-meeting for missionaries and ministers for the 68 Billy Graham crusade. And during the meeting, I noticed the um, Herald, the newspaper photographer, photographed Billy Graham on the platform, but when Billy came down off the platform, he was speaking to the Archbishop. He was speaking to the leader of the Baptist Church, the President. And this photographer didn't have a clue who they were, and I did, and I saw the media value in that. And I asked um, the co-director of the 68 Crusade, Fred Nile, where's the religious press? He said, there isn't any. I said, oh, come on. He said, no, he said, we start the crusade tomorrow, but no religious photographers were registered. So I found Eric Daly, uh, the New Life paper in Melbourne, said, uh, Eric, what are you doing about uh, covering Billy Graham, 68 crusade in Sydney? He said, oh, we've sent the office secretary up. She'll get a few notes. We can't afford a photographer. I said, well, look, can you afford the printing blocks in those days if I give you the photos, 8 by 10 glossy prints, can you afford to print them? He said, oh, yeah, we can do that, but we can't pay you. So that was the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> I gave away photos, and there was no charge, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Oh, wow. You know, one thing I'm starting to understand about this photography, obviously it's taking photos, but also, as you're sharing, it's also about knowing what photos to take and how to kind of package them or frame them so people would have interest in it. Does that sound right? Yes. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the Billy Graham crusade, uh, 68 crusade, there were six pages of instruction to photographers, what wow. you can do and what you can't do. And you didn't get a press pass until you'd read those six pages. And uh, I realized that um, there were general scenes. I didn't have the equipment with long-range lens and things. I was just using a, a, a Rolleiflex camera, I think it was, hmm. and uh, a small 35 mil. So here am I taking general scenes, and as close as I could get, of the, uh, the Crusade meetings. And it, it worked out beautifully because... Uh, I noticed a photographer, I didn't know he was the official photographer, Russ Busby, 
before the meeting started, he got up on the platform and um, was photographing some of the VIPs, the important people. So I just shot it over his shoulder sort of thing and got some beautiful shots. Hmm. And it's a case of being in the right place at the right yeah. time. You don't disturb the preacher. Yeah. Uh, the first two minutes of Billy Graham's sermon, certainly, photograph in close. But then get out of the way, otherwise mm -hmm. you're distracting from the message going out. Mm -hmm. And so I'd get up the back of the crowd. And uh, in fact, in the Sydney Crusade, I think I climbed up the clock tower of the um, showground and uh, got some beautiful crowd shots from up there. Oh, wow. Now we're going to have to stop you there because we've run out of time for this first conversation with our guest today, Raymond Williams. But obviously, you have many more stories. That's just the beginning of your photography career back here in Australia. So, Raymond, can we have you come back and share some more stories? Love to come back, Eric. Lovely talking to you. Well, that was part one of our two-part conversation with award-winning photographer, Raymond Williams and what an eventful life he's had and we haven't even finished hearing all of it just yet so we invite you to join us again next time for part two when we'll hear about some of the historically significant events he's taken photos at but before we go I think it's worth mentioning that all of this started off with Raymond giving up all his photography equipment to better serve the Lord and sometimes that's what God asks of us it reminds me of the time Peter said to Jesus we have left all we had to follow you. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Wonderful words of encouragement from our Lord. Well, thanks for joining us for part one of Raymond's life journey. Until next time when we'll hear part two, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Princess Diana, I've got an exclusive of her. She uh, was visiting a children's home in uh, Sydney and as uh, Princess Diana came out into the sand pit with the children, a little girl put her arms up and Princess Diana picked her up and put her on her shoulder. They've now got a poster-sized copy of that photo. Once again, award-winning Christian photographer Raymond Williams will be joining us to share about his amazing life journey. He's photographed everyone from Cliff Richards to Princess Diana and has taken photos at historically significant events like the 1968 Billy Graham crusade. We'll hear about all that and more next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.